Welcome to the Tribe of Spoken Podcast. Our mission as coaches is to help leaders build themselves into the person their people needs them to be so that they can build servant leaders. If you desire to be a better leader and a better person today, then you found your tribe. In one of my all-time favorite books, Sam Walker's The Captain Class, Mr. Walker makes reference to one of the greatest sports plays of all time by one of the greatest athletes of all time, Bill Russell. In the 1957 NBA Finals, what's now known as the Coleman play, Mr. Russell covered 92 feet to block a shot on a player that had a head start on him. The act was described as a supreme expression of desire. That play would be the catalyst for the Boston Celtics organization, which would win 10 more NBA titles over the course of the next 12 years with Bill Russell as their captain. Today on The Tribe Has Spoken, we're going to discuss emerging leadership and how some leaders can suppress leadership and how others can progress leadership. Are you giving voice to supreme expression of desire or are you silencing it? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Tribe of Spoken podcast with Captain Alan Thompson and Coach Kerry Castillo. Today's show is going to be your leadership legacy. Are you progressing or suppressing the yin and yang of emerging leadership? So, Captain... Man, we Tell us about one of those sides. Hey, we Sorry. we got some some hot topics today, um, and I think that as we've kind of gone through some of our show notes, it was funny that was not going to be the original intent of of the show today. But as we had kind of worked through and we're settling on uh, the discussion, we end up having a whole other discussion. I wish we recorded that one before we started on this. Um, and uh, we we came to some some similar conclusions. Um, for for lack of a better term, today I'm going to be the dark side. So uh, the the dark side of what happens with leadership that that really crushes the growth of of junior leaders, inhibits it, um, and ultimately drives out talent. Uh, from your organization, whether that's sports or military or or business talent. So um, for me, I, the 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 number one thing that we talked about was empowering others, and that's how you get to uh, leaders. You've got to put them in a position where they they're capable uh, of of leading. And if you don't ever get to that point, they never get a chance to show what they can do. So. Um, for me, what what I have seen um, is that when leadership has a fear of empowering others, it leads to micromanaging. And that micromanaging makes it very difficult for tasks to get done. Didn't work for Hitler. And, um, you know, that was one of the biggest things for World War II that led to led the D-Day invasion to be so successful was that those leaders that were on the ground were not allowed to make decisions. And that's really what we want from junior leaders that are put in a position um, 
that we trust them to be able to make the decisions that are in line with us. So if you if you get to that point where you have a uh, individual that that is a micromanager, I think that there's a couple of questions. Um, generally, we we talk a lot about our why on this podcast. Um, why why are they micromanaging? Is is there a fear of loss of control? Um, do they fear the actions of those that they supervise? Um, or do they fear what others will become? Are they, I mean, are they corporate psychopaths? Are they people that genuinely don't want somebody else to succeed, but yet they're still in a position of power and therefore they control everything. So they reap all the rewards. Um, in that case, that definitely is a, a selfish individual. And that is one of the things that we've talked about on previous casts of, what what makes great leaders is them being selfless um and therefore the yang to that would be if they're selfish that's one of the things of uh characteristics of of poor leadership so um i don't know have you have you experienced that do you do you see that from from your foxhole either up up the ladder or down the down the ladder and in, in the, on the sports side for sure um uh, for sure stayed on our side and it, it looks very subtle uh, just because I think the environment is different. It's not corporate. Uh, it's, you know, the education system is, is not, um, it's not as dog eat dog per se as a corporate setting would be. Uh, you have to have, a lot of whichever business has to have collaboration, but when it comes to promotion relegation, that thing, that just doesn't rear its head the way it would in a, in a corporate setting. So in our world, it's so, as subtle as the term we like to use is having our legs coming out, cut out from underneath us. It's not necessarily a, um, a relegation of your role, so that you don't emerge it's more of a suppression of ideas and ideals mm -hmm. um, and i like the term you use there corporate psychopath i think some people do that in our in our setting in the educational setting uh one to save face because the I, better ideas can't look like they're coming from someone else mm -hmm. Uh, and two, the other part of that, which is kind of twofold is if someone else isn't having better ideas than me, then I have job safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, we, we discussed this previous to starting the show. Um, but it's a matter of trying to be the smartest person in the room. Like you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. if you suppress everyone's ideas, then you're the de facto smartest person in the room. Now, that's what it looks like in our setting. Well, it definitely is a big, um, that the ego kicking in. If you've got to be the smartest person in the room, you are not the smartest person in the room. You have the power to control everything else, but that doesn't mean that you're the smartest person in the room. I think the smartest person in the room wants to buy smarter people. I mean, that's where the best ideas come from.
All right, we're back up. Okay. Um, the military structure pretty much puts people in defined roles. And you, as a, a commander of a unit, you're not going to be hulking over every private doing their tasks. Um, and it's probably a lot harder to micromanage um, in the military, I think, from on the officer side. Um, so for me, this definitely falls more into, into the corporate setting where I think that those things can happen. Um, and it, when you're talking about the, the suppression of, of ideas, um, I think that that's probably one of the most constrictive things that can happen. Um, you've got people that are experts and they're not recognized in that specific field of expertise um, on the corporate side. If you're just going to run them over because you're the one that's higher up, you're the, in that manager position. That's not, that's not leading. That's not accepting those other ideas um, or at least considering those. But when, once you take those away and like, no, we're not going that route. We're only going to do what I think regardless of what the experts in that field are advising you, man, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, so I think that that's one way that those individuals, and that falls under the, the fear of loss of control, but that's how those individuals micromanage. Um, and then the, the other one I was talking about, the fear of the actions of those that they supervise. So, you know, on, on the military side, <laughs> I, I can definitely say that I have fallen into that category before with, you know, you got a bunch of Joes or Bubba's, typical military slang for those uh, privates and, and specialists. Man, they do some dumb stuff. And you, you're responsible for them and for their actions. You're responsible for everything that they do and do not do. So... Um, it took me a while to realize that part of that fear is that I don't know that their ideas and everything that they are thinking line up with what my intent is. So that comes back to me, it, the, you know, the culture that I built, the things that I have, uh, push out that I believe that are okay. The things that I have done that lead them to think that this is the way that things should be done and made me look at myself. Am I doing the right thing? And again, we've talked about these things before that inward reflection um, should lead you in that direction. Um, if you're not willing to look at yourself to think, okay, if I'm scared of what they're going to do and they're supposed to be following me, am I doing the right things? You know? Um, but, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you're bringing guys in from all over the country and all types of home life and, you know, their their normal upbringing has caused them to not uh, completely align with all of those things. But that's your job is to help get them in line with those things that you're thinking. Um, and I'm sure that you you're in the same boat. You, you're bringing families from all socioeconomic uh, backgrounds and 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 paths and all types of different home life. And every day, you know, those those kids are at school for eight to 10 hours and then they're going to go home for five or six hours back into that environment. And it's constantly a battle of um, what you the 
the ideals that you're trying to instill and hope that they line up with the home life versus what, what they really do. Um, I don't know. I, you fall into that category that some of your program is going to be held uh, responsible or, or be looked at based on actions of a few. So one of the things that just kept emerging to me as you were talking about these different variables of basically factors around you possibly hindering your leadership was a lot of these things are environmental constructs, whether it's uh, like you just mentioned the environment of a home life that my players or your soldiers have either derived from or going home to currently. But I think that also goes up the chain before we start going sideways and looking at those kinds of things at those environmental constructs. Uh, I think there are also vertical environmental constructs that, that hinder our influence by decreasing our validity. Hmm. That's uh, when, when we talk about suppressing leadership, that's a very uh, passive aggressive way to not look like you're suppressing someone's leadership while very much uh, suppressing their leadership just by environmental construct. What I mean by that is uh, stripping away the importance of what you do or just your microcosm of leadership and, and what your program is. Oh, well, it's not as important as this one or this one or this one. So by default, your leadership isn't as important and your ideas aren't as important and what you stand for isn't as important. Dang. So to answer, to answer that question, yes, I see that. I see it both laterally and vertically uh, happen very often. What we've been able to create something special, to be honest with you. Um, and I, I hope and pray that lasts for a very long time. But our parents... Um, you know, you take, if you look laterally, like you said, at those environments that they go home to or have come to us from, um, we really work hand in hand very well. And nothing's perfect, right? Nothing's ever perfect. And part of being the leader in the middle of that crossroads is I have to be able to admit to both sides that, hey, I'm going to make mistakes. It's okay if you hold me accountable. I can accept that. Mm -hmm. I'll grow from. I'll be a better leader both what both every every direction, not both, but north, south, east, and west for everybody. Uh, but yeah, do very much see that. Do very much. Not so much, like I said, laterally from our stakeholders, if you will, but the other way. But from that. from your players, though, have you experienced like man, um, you know? I mean, we see it in, especially like in, at the collegiate level or the pro football level where, you know, teams are being held accountable, coaches are held accountable to what a player did off the field. And is that something that concerns you? Or are you at the point now where you believe that you've set forth and you've put enough culture 
you, you've developed enough culture around those students that you don't expect that at this point? Or have you been in a position previously where you did? Both. Both. Because um, in anything you do, you're dealing with human beings. And you have to accept that nobody's perfect. People are going to make mistakes. Now, is it our expectation that these things get done in a certain way? Absolutely. And you have to uphold those. Um, but you also have to keep the mindset and help push the mindset that says that those are things and when those things happen are going to be uh, opportunities to mm -hmm. grow rather than a failure that you're going to take a consequence from. Uh, in some instances, that is warranted based on the person's intent. Um, it's not something I worry about, per se, if I'm going to be held accountable for the actions of one of my people. Um, I take responsibility for that, so therefore I'm not worried about it. If it happens, and it does, and it, um, it has this week, that's something I take responsibility for, and I'm glad to take responsibility for it. It's, it's part of my responsibility. I, I have ownership in that. And I don't see it as me failing. I see it as a chance for me to refine what I do and make it better and to help this person that is the one at fault or whatever it may be or whatever the mistake is. It really doesn't matter. Uh, it's an opportunity for them to grow. But it's also an opportunity for them to discover why they're not bought in to what we're doing. Because if they aren't bought in, there's got to be a why. And now we got to go back to, well, the social construct that's keeping you from being bought in sure isn't coming from me. And it's not coming from the people around you. So where does it come from? Mm. Man, that's, that's pretty good. And again, you're that you're on the good side of this. You're on the on the uh, the yin where I'm the yang, I guess. Um, as far as it goes with fearing what others will become, that's not something. That's not an issue that I've I've ever experienced. I don't know that I've I've been under any leadership either that has. Um, has kind of gone that route where they're trying to suppress somebody because they don't want them to get ahead. Um, but I guess, I guess a way that I could see it though, is they want to not have a person move into a role because of that. They've got a buddy or a friend or somebody that they're trying to get hired on. So that they kind of tighten up their support group around them you know, of uh, people that, that they trust, even though that may not be the best person for the job, they're trying to, uh, you know, flood their, the, the individuals around them. Again, what we're talking about right here is the, the bad side of, of leadership um, and, and bad leaders in general, ones that are willing to sacrifice the growth of others, the growth of the, the company or organization uh, in order for, that leader to be able to move forward or feel safe. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I've seen things along those natures where, where people have been 
hired that I don't I didn't think were were qualified. Didn't didn't necessarily affect me, but definitely didn't didn't look right when I know there were other individuals that had to be more qualified or maybe somebody I knew personally that was more qualified. Um, and I don't understand why they didn't get the job, but not on the hiring. So I, that part doesn't bother me. Um, on on the military side of it, um, the way promotions happen and people move up. Um, I mean, uh, military is famous for the good old boy system in that sense, but um, I've never really been affected by it that I that I know of um, on the NCO side of it. Um, that always is kind of a weird situation, and uh, me being an officer doesn't. I've never been on the backside of it, but it's a closed door deal. So obviously it looks sketchy from the outside because there's, there's promotion points and things that are, that are in there, but uh, that's not the only, the only thing on why people get moved or promoted there. So um, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Um, Have you, have you seen anything like that from your end? I guess that's probably gonna be more in the, going going up the chain for you as far as you know athletic directors or or that type of thing not so much with your with your athletes because that's something that you can control unless it's something you've seen when you were athlete back in back in the olden days in the olden days i th- i think uh i think that there is no environment whether it be education corporate military regardless of what it is you're still dealing with human nature. And I think um, that what you referred to as good old boy system is going to be present wherever you look, wherever you go. It doesn't matter. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Um, and I think it's a matter of not, not just helping people that we know, but how close do you want to keep your circle and who will you let in your circle? And I think that I think it goes back to I, I'm gonna I'm gonna coin this phrase, okay? We'll see how how long it makes it, but a I'm I'm just keep coming up with this phrase of a triumvirate of value when it comes to a person's leadership. One, the person themselves. Two, their role as a leader, and then three, their leadership itself. Okay, uh, though you can fracture, you can fracture that at any point by what you just brought up um, passing over someone that's more qualified, more deserving, that's a better leader for a role, totally passing them over for someone else that's in your circle. And I'm feeding into your, your part of the discussion right here of, of the gang, the bad side, the dark side, of of what happens to emerging leaders and how they get suppressed, you know, uh, and that's you're absolutely right. That is one way. And I have I seen it. Yes, I've seen it. Uh, and and I don't think anyone is exempt from it. Like any environment is exempt from it. But I think at the, at the root of it, the reason I bring all that up is I think at the root of it, it's a matter of the person that's a poor leader trying to keep the people that are in their circle close mm-hmm. keeping other people that could that are a threat to them out of their circle well i think i think that 
as those people are brought in, you're, you're bringing in somebody that's automatic loyal, loyal to you because you, you brought them in, got them a job. And yeah, I'm definitely going to make sure that I stay loyal to that guy. Um, whereas the individuals there that got passed over, didn't get that promotion loses a little bit of trust in your leadership because at that point they feel like you've made a poor leadership decision. You know, they're, they're saying that from their foxhole, they're seeing a person that's more qualified. Of course, you know, it's their, themselves and that may or may not be true, but if you're passing them over and you're bringing in somebody that is not, that makes their value go down considerably. And if they really are a talent, you're going to end up losing that. Um, and I, that still, that all goes back to, to micromanaging. You're getting people in there that think like you, you're suppressing other ideas, which slow the growth of your organization, slow the movement. It's not going to be as nimble because everybody's got the same idea. That doesn't, that doesn't breed new ideas, new directions or growth. Um, and, and that's a problem. The, it makes it hard for somebody to buy in to that organization when others are being brought in from the outside as well. And they don't have that hold um, onto the organization. They're less vested in it. And if, if you are trying to build something, these leaders that are coming along, they want to be a part of, they want that ownership of it. And, they're not going to take ownership of something that they don't feel like they're helping to create. I love this quote by Epictetus. One cannot pursue one's own highest good without at the same time necessarily promoting the good of others. A life based on narrow self-interest cannot be esteemed by any honorable measurement. Seeking the very best in ourselves means actively caring for the welfare of other human beings and your leadership if you are not progressing the leaders underneath you, then you're acting out of selfishness. By trying to be the smartest person in the room, you silence great ideas, you slow the progress of your organization, and you effectively are a cancer of your culture. We're going to touch more on this, and specifically what recognizing, acknowledging, and promoting, as well as empowering the leadership that you're trying to help emerge, what that looks like, and the tools with which to do that in our next episode. Thank you for joining us at The Tribe of Spoken. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Check us out on YouTube as well as iHeartRadio, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, and we hope that you'll join us next time. Thank you.